Welcome to the Double Helix Podcast, where we speak to experts within the pharma and the biopharma industry to get their insights and advice. I'd like to welcome Dr. Jeanette Colasso, who is the owner of Human Error Solutions. Based in Florida, Dr. Colasso is one of the few human error reduction experts in the world. She is author of the book, Human Error, Root Cause Determination Model. She is also a speaker at significant events like FDA News Annual Conference, the Global Conference on Process Safety, and the Pharmaceutical Industry Association. FDA News has called her, and I quote, a veteran of helping drug, biologic, and device firms reduce manufacturing errors. Wow, that is, that's uh, some introduction, but Jeanette, welcome to the show. We're delighted to have you with us today. Thank you so much for the invitation, and I'm very excited to share a lot of the things that, that we're gonna be discussing today. So thank you so much for the invitation. Not a problem, my pleasure. I'm looking forward to, to getting into it. So Jeanette, maybe to start then, could you tell us please a little bit about yourself, your company and how you got into the field? Yes, well, again, my name is Jeanette Colasso. Um, um, basically, just to give you a little background about myself, um, I went, um, I'm an industrial organizational psychologist and I basically have specialized in engineering psychology, but most of my uh, my, my academic formation comes from organizational development, training, and so on. So um, when I started working um, and I got my, my, one of my first jobs, um, I was a training specialist in a pharmaceutical manufacturing facility. And I am from Puerto Rico, and in Puerto Rico we have a lot of manufacturing facilities, um, especially GMP-regulated facilities. So I started as a training specialist, but I worked myself up all the way to uh, being a training supervisor, manager, training director. And the reason why I got involved with Human Error was because of the constant um, retraining as a corrective action. At some point, we had to question ourselves, you know, is this really training? So uh, just to give you a, a, a quick story, when I was working in the industry, one of my first jobs, um, and I was managing the training the, or, or basically designing the training program, uh, the general manager said, talked to me, uh, called me and said, well, Jeanette, you know what? I, I don't think the training program is working. I think something must be very wrong because we have so many errors, so many mistakes, and retraining continues to be the corrective action and preventive actions and so on. Um, and I knew that the training program was effective because I designed it. I knew that it was well designed and all of that. So I said, I don't really think it's training. And then he asked me, if it's not training, what is it? And that's the reason why I'm here. So we wanted to, we wanted to demonstrate that knowledge by itself does not modify behavior. Not everything that goes wrong is because we don't know what to do, we don't know how to do it, or we can't do it. There are other things that impact humans, and it's just not training. So it was kind of getting old, the fact of doing retraining, retraining, especially when you had memory failures. Well, I forgot to take the sample. So now I'm gonna get retrained and the retraining is this, remember not to forget. Well, if I can do that, then of course I'm gonna learn how to learn how to not to forget, but it's not related to knowledge, skill or abilities. And that's the reason I ended up here. Got it. Okay, that's an interesting story. Um, I've, I've, I've actually worked a little bit in Puerto Rico myself. 
for um for, for Amgen. Thoroughly enjoyed my time there. Um, but Jeanette, what sort of customers then do you work with? Is it just pharma companies, for example? Well, not necessarily. That's how I started because here's the thing. One thing that the um, GMP regulated industries um, are struggling with is dealing with human error. We, because, and, and, I'm, and I, I, when I discuss these things, I'm, I'm a little blunt. This is the problem. In pharma, in GMP, most of the times what we want to do is close the investigations and move on because we already know that there is no impact to the batch. So, for example, I have a deviation, somebody forgot to document a critical parameter, but we have enough evidence to demonstrate that the critical parameter is correct. Once we discover that, then all we want to do is close the investigation. Nobody really questions, you know, yes, it is a human error. I forgot to document the parameter. But why did I forgot to document the parameter? So in pharma or in GMP um, regulated industries, it's more popular to fix the blame instead of fixing the problem. And that's why we started in pharma. We, we discovered that there was a, a, a very large need or big need um, to address human performance related deviations because everything was root cause human error, um, corrective actions, retraining. So we, we mostly work with pharma, but I've, I've worked with other type of industry. Whenever you have a human and a process and you don't want to make mistakes, you you, you could implement this, this type of solutions, okay? So I've worked with um, table salt manufacturing. I have worked with organizations that do maintenance, especially electronics and um, the um, equipments, um, refineries, even the military. So it's it doesn't really matter. Um, it, it, at the end of the day, we're talking about how can I control or re reduce human error so my process um, is you know effective and 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 it's and it's executed flawlessly. So I don't have to scrap or. Um, waste time or, um, you know, get in trouble with defects and that type of situations. I understand. Thank you, Jeanette. So in terms of, say, the pharmaceutical industry, if we could perhaps maybe stick to that one more so, what are the typical human error analysis and human error reduction techniques that we would be aware of? Uh, is that five ways and fishbone root cause analysis things like that or are there others that we should also be aware of well yes those are all tools that exist today those are basically methodologies that, that uh, are used today the problem with this is that those tools are good when you understand what you're looking for you know i can do the five whys if i'm not if i understand what i'm looking for so um you know why and let me give you an example we have a deviation and the deviation is that um, a valve was open in the wrong sequence, right? So you go and do the investigation. What happened? We had a spill. The valve was open out of sequence. So we evaluate everything, all the human factors. It's not just, you know, well, the person just did it incorrectly. No, but I want to know why you did it incorrectly. So I'm going to evaluate procedures. I'm going to evaluate human factors engineering. I'm going to uh, um, evaluate um uh, communication, training, all of those are human factors that I need to want to, to evaluate. The problem with the five whys is that, is that it's an empty tool. You have to figure it out. That's why we needed to find something that was going to be easy for people that don't understand human behavior. 
Why? Because we do have a lot of experts that I that are very capable of explaining equipment behavior when we have equipment failures, um, that are very good explaining process behavior when we need to explain deviations in the process or the product. Uh, but we don't really have experts that can explain human behavior. So when it comes to five whys, yeah, five whys, well, at some point you're going to be like, I don't know. But why did, did you open the, the valve in the wrong sequence when the procedure is clear? Well, when we evaluated the procedure, this was the instruction. Make sure valve 15 is in the open position. But when the person got there, the, the, the valve was closed. What do I do? Should I open it? Should I call somebody? And that's one of the things that you have to find out while you're doing your, your five whys. And you don't know what you don't know. So I'm not gonna consider the fact that my procedure could be incomplete unless I know that when the procedure is incomplete or the situation is not covered, there is a likelihood that I'm gonna choose the wrong um, course of action or the wrong action. So, or we could, meaning, you know, meaning that we could. So, the, 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 those techniques exist, but we use, um, what we did was that we wanted to provide not only the questions, we wanted to provide the answers. So, it's basically kind of, um, we use the root cause determination tool. The root cause determination tool is kind of a fishbone or a five-wide type of tool, but it's already filled with the answers. All you have to do is determine that. So it has all the answers. So you start, let me to, to give you an example. Um, if I go through the root cause determination tool and I start evaluating what's related to, what are the, the factors associated to erosine procedures, I'm gonna find that I have three near root causes. Those three near root causes are either I did not use the procedure or the procedure was confusing or it was incomplete or, or wrong. Now I know that that's what I'm looking for. So now I know what I'm, I, I, I want to try to identify in terms of weaknesses. So now did I determine, okay, so I really go, I, I think it goes, um, it, 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 it's starting to, to guide us through incomplete or situation not covered with rubber incomplete. So now I know based on the tool, if I go to the tool and I use the tool, um, it will guide me all the way through a root cause that it's called um Procedure incomplete, situation not covered, and then that that and that's based on the five whys. This is it's not that easy to understand when you're not looking at it because it's a very visual type of tool. But it's basically an FMEA of people. It has all the reasons why people make mistakes, and once you identify the root cause, the only thing that you have to do is just basically correct that. If the root cause is that I made a mistake, I opened the valve because the the instruction did not tell me what to do. If I found that condition which was probable was or, or was possible because you're asking me to make sure it's open. That means that there is a likelihood that it's closed, but you don't tell me what to do if it's closed. Then the only thing that I have to do is incorporate that conditional statement. If the valve is closed, call the supervisor. And that's what the tool gives you. It, only, it provides you with the explanation of why did I made a mistake and what can I do to correct it. Okay, so... You, you mentioned near root causes there, Jeanette. Is that, is that essentially the same as most probable root causes or is most probable root causes, is that more associated to the classic kind of 5Y five five fishbone type root cause analysis? Is that, is the near root cause, is that your 
your twist or your innovation on things? No, it's not the same thing because a most probable cause is something that you're saying that could have been the reason. So it's the most probable. I don't really, I don't really have all the evidence to, take, to say that this is the cause. So it's like the most probable cause will be this. No, when I talk about near root cause, I'm talking about a structure. There are, in, in our tool, um, the tool that we use, which is based on, and I want to clarify this, we have a tool that is called the root cause determination tool, but it's based on a tool that was originally developed by the Department of Energy of the United States, so they can address human performance situations in what it's today um, categorized as high reliable organizations. And these are organizations that have succeeded in avoiding catastrophes in environments where they could happen like nuclear power generation facilities, aerospace, um, chemical process industries. Those are what it's called high reliable organizations. These organizations at some point had to make a decision whether they wanted to fix the blame or fix the problem. So that's why in pharma, we see a lot of fixing the blame. So it's human error, don't do it again, move on. When it comes to fixing the problem, you say, yes, people make mistakes because they can because our systems allow it. So what's wrong with our system? What's wrong with what we are designing that we are allowing errors to be part of our, our design? So what we need to do is design errors out. So the tool that we use that is called the root cause determination tool has five, um, five levels. I start with the very first one, which is human error. Why I start here? Because human error is not a root cause. And actually, if you go to the European GMPs, if you go to Canadian um, GMPs, uh, even FDA GMPs, when they talk about investigating human errors, they're very specific of what they want. And if I remember correctly, um, the European GMP says, where human error is suspected or identified as the cause, cause is not a root cause, it's a, it's a causal factor, right? And it continues, this should be justified, having taken care to ensure that process, procedural, or system-based errors or problems have not been overlooked if present. So they're saying, I want you to not ignore process, procedural, or other things, and that's part of the regulation. So what we do in the root cause determinations tool, um, um, the root cause determination tool, is that we start at the very top of the five Ys with human error, because human error is not a root cause, it's a causal factor. Then I, I move towards the next level, which would be problem type. And then I have three alternatives for problem type, either, either the equipment, systems, or human performance issues. Then I move towards the next Y, which will be the category, the cost category. And here I have nine um, cost categories, and, and speci specifically um, six that are related to, to human error, which are procedures, human factors engineering, training, supervision, communication and individual performance. Once I, I identify the root, uh, the cost category, I'm sorry, then I'm going to identify the near root cost. And the near root cost explains what happened, but it doesn't explain why. So if my near root cost is that the procedure was not used, then why is it? That explains, okay, so the, person, the people, people did not use the procedure. That explains why you would make a mistake. But now I want to know why do you, why is it that you're not using your procedures? Then I have 
now the root causes that go underneath the near root cause, which will be not available or inconvenient to obtain, procedure difficult to use, um, use not not uh, required but should be required or no procedure for the task. And now I have to choose which one of those uh, is the reason why people are not using the procedures. So, so you mentioned highly reliable organizations there, Jeanette, like, you know, nuclear aerospace industries. So in terms of human error reduction within the pharmaceutical industry, the, the current state, would you, so I think what you're saying is the current state is to fix blame and not the problem, not to fix the problem, not to make it impossible to make mistakes. Do you think that that's where the industry, the pharmaceutical industry is moving? Do you yeah, think? it's moving away from it. It's moving away from fixing the blame. We are moving away from the, from the blame cycle because agencies are a lot more, um, they're asking for a lot more, like, like what I just told you about the, the European GMPs and the FDAs and Canadian um, regulations. Actually, all GMPs actually have the same expectations that you identify the reasons why people make mistakes. So right now, organizations are moving towards fixing the problem. That's, that's exactly what we are trying, and that's exactly why we started working um, in, in and when, when I started doing my private practice, that's what I wanted to show, that there are ways to fix the problem. You don't have to fix the blame. You know, retraining, discipline, terminating people is not going to fix the problem. That's just fixing the blame. I want to make sure that I, that I design errors out. And that's, that's the reason why we want to have a methodology that will explain why people make mistakes as opposed to the fact that they made a mistake and we can't do anything about it because to our is human. Well, to our is human, but to forgive is a good design. We cannot change human condition. People will make mistakes, but we can't change the conditions in which humans work. That we can do. And that's exactly what the methodology that we use addresses. I want to make sure that if you're forgetting, I want to know what's causing that. Because if I don't want you to forget, and this is a critical parameter, a critical step, a, you know, based on criticality, then I have to make sure that I put reminders because I have to understand that people will forget because memory, it's a, it's a human factor and it's a human, quote unquote, defect but it's not a defect it's basically our nature yeah. it's basically our nature sure. so we will forget and the fact that i understand um human limitations with attention memory um decision making calculating all of these things that that could potentially create a mistake then if i understand that then i can design errors out but we don't have engineering psychologists in our in our facilities that's why we needed to put together a methodology that will help non you know engineering psychologists be able to explain why people make mistakes and that's what that's what we did by focusing then on human error reduction Jeanette is it possible uh, to quantify the sort of savings you know how, what, what have you what have you seen throughout your career what, what in terms of dollars if that's possible what 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 sort of savings have you seen there are make? many ways of measuring this now the problem with this is that it's very unlikely that you will find organizations that actually measure that in terms of money okay now when we talk about healthy organizations there are three main things that we need to focus on is safety quality and business so business is one of those things that we want to make sure that we are 
really being careful. How much or how little, it, it's going to depend on the type of product. For example, if I lose a batch in a, in a manufacturing facility that manufactures, um, let's say, ibuprofen, which is very cheap to manufacture, then it's not going to be the same as if I lose a batch in a biological um, product. So that's why it's going to be very different because it all depends on what is it that I'm, that I'm what's at stake. But we have to consider not only the fact that there are mistakes that can create um, downtime, defects, um, rework, accidents, all recalls. So it's so many factors that you could use to calculate that. And a lot of organizations are not doing that. And that's the reason why sometimes we continue to be just like, just retrain, do an awareness and let's move on. Because we don't understand the magnitude of this unless we get um, a very, you know, very bad situation, if you will. So it's, it's, it can be measured, but a lot of organizations don't do it. Usually when, when we get called by clients is because they are in a regulatory type of situation that they have had 483s or warning letters or even consent decrees because of, of um, certain GMP uh, gaps in, 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 their, in their process. And of course, human error usually comes to be one of, one of the most common, but, but not because there is an understanding on how the, the, the magnitude of the, of the situation is not necessarily understood because people don't measure it, don't really measure it. Okay, and then in terms of, say, again, highly reliable organizations um, and in terms of Industry 4.0, in terms of robotics, do you think the use of robotics uh, provides somewhat of an answer to reducing human Absolutely. error? Absolutely, yes. Actually, one of the things that I um, try to explain to my clients, everything has to be based on risk. So if I have a process that is very risky in terms of either safety, quality or business, okay? Remember, those are going to be always my, my, my criteria, you know, how safe, um, the quality, the risk, you know, quality risk, safety risk, quality risk and business risks. Um, if there is something that you can't really, you, you just can't have not even one mistake, not even one, then you have to eliminate human interaction. If you want zero mistakes, you have to eliminate human interaction. And here is where vision systems, robots, electronic batch records, manufacturing execution systems, software, AI, all of this comes into place. But here's the thing, those things are very expensive. You don't want to fix one problem and then creating another one. I don't want to shoot mosquitoes with cannons, right? I want to, I want to use my resources wisely. That's why you need to understand the magnitude of the consequences of the mistake so you can choose whether you want to go that route or not. Now, one thing about that is the fact that we need to also understand, like I told you, that you won't be able to eliminate human error, actually. The lowest observable rate on human error in critical activities is 0.001, which is one in a thousand. That means that if I do an activity a thousand times, I'm going to make a mistake at least once. So because that's the lowest observable rate and that's pilots. 
So what I'm trying to say is that we have to be very careful. I see this a lot with documentation errors, for example. Well, we have too many documentation errors. Okay, out of how many entries? Because I can have a batch record that says, well, I have, I have seven mistakes in this batch record. Did you count how many entries? I've counted 16,500 entries in a batch record. So seven mistakes is nothing. So these are the things that we really need to understand. If you want less than that, then we have to go with an electronic batch record. And that's the kind of thing that sometimes comes into a, a discussion because then it's like, well, but an electronic batch record is very expensive. Well, then you have to make a decision based on risk. And of course, there's a human element involved there as well. So hence the uh, the validation and, and, and so on, the, the, the constant checks and, and so on that are involved there. In terms then, Jeanette, of say how pharma companies are benchmarking themselves regarding human error reduction um, and how they can ensure continual, continual improvement. How, how are they actually doing that at the moment? Well, right now, um, some, some organizations are starting to do some um, continuous improvement initiatives. Um, it's kind of a regular practice that I'm starting to see that, you know, uh, operational excellence, quality excellence, and there are uh, a lot of um, interest in, in doing that type of improvements. So, but most of the times what I see is that these improvements, at least in human error, they don't come from a continuous improvement initiative. Organizations, even if, if, you know, whether we like it or not, organizations don't like to work on prevention. Our metrics are not based on success. So that means that I cannot work on prevention. I have to wait until something goes wrong so I can improve it because my metrics are overdue CAPAs, um, overdue investigations, um, scrap uh, batches. Everything is based on failure. So I cannot measure what did not happen and we work because of our metrics. So I'm working on reducing things as opposed to designing them in a way that it's going to be prevented because that I can't measure. And that's one thing that I think is part of the problem with organizations that we are so obsessed with our KPIs and I understand they are very important, but we should be working on, instead of saying how many batches were released, um, were, were delayed, well then let's, let's, let's do a successful metric, let's percentage of, of, of of batches released on time then if you prevented something you will capture it there but that's not what we're measuring we're, we're not really measuring that and that's what takes us all the way to waiting until we have a mistake so we can do a corrective action even though i could have prevented that if we did something in, a, in terms of prevention so most of the times what we see today is that the continuous improvement, it's not coming from a prevention standpoint, it's coming from solving a problem that we identify through our metrics that measure failure. It's a really interesting viewpoint, isn't it? And it's so true when you think about it. Um, so for more information, Jeanette, uh, so if our listeners want to want to contact you to, to hear more. You can find us in humanersolutions.com. Um, we also have a LinkedIn page and a Facebook page, uh, most of the time through email, so you can reach us through Human Error Solutions, and we will be more than happy to answer any questions. We have also an online 
certification program for people that want to learn how to do investigations, want to learn how to use our methodology, would be more than happy. We will be more than happy to share any information, but you can find information in the web website as well. Thank you, Jeanette. That, that was that was very, very uh, inf insightful, uh, very informative. You know, you, you're talking about organizations moving towards fixing the problem, towards designing errors out. Memory, as you say, unfortunately, is a human condition. You know, we will forget. We have, we, we do have limitations. We'll continue to have limitations. But I guess, yeah, once we're moving in the right direction and trying not to fix blame, trying to fix the problem uh, and make it impossible to make mistakes, you know, it'll make pharmaceutical companies a safer place to work and make their products safer for, for patients ultimately too. So Jeanette, with that being said, I want to thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. And best of luck in the future. Best of luck with, with Human Error Solutions. And hopefully we'll chat again in the thank future. You thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed our podcast. For more, please check us out on social media and doublehelix.ie.